The governor heads to Europe as the war in Ukraine drags on, his goals for the trip to Slovakia. Plus, former Governor Pence lays out a Republican Party agenda. We'll break down the proposal and what it means for 2024. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. Peace talks between Russia and Ukraine resumed this weekend. The two sides have made little progress toward a ceasefire in the week since Russia invaded. The U.S. approved another $500 million in relief money to help Ukraine survive the war. The White House has approved more than $13 billion in military and humanitarian aid. Indiana Congressman Victoria Sparts is calling for more oversight over those relief payments. She's calling for a congressional meeting to discuss how to make sure money gets to Ukraine in a timely manner. More than four million U Ukrainian refugees have uh, fled Ukraine since the war began in February. Governor Eric Holcomb met some of those refugees this week when he traveled to Slovakia. State House reporter Kristen Eskow spoke with the governor ahead of that trip in a TV exclusive interview. Governor Eric Holcomb says Indiana's response could look similar to what we saw last year when Indiana welcomed thousands of Afghan evacuees to military base Camp Atterbury. Indiana's response also includes some sanctions against Russia. Governor Eric Holcomb traveling to Slovakia, meeting with some of the 280,000 Ukrainian refugees who have fled there. All the bordering states around Ukraine are quite frankly overwhelmed. Holcomb says the purpose behind the trip is to find out how Indiana can help. On Monday, his team delivered some art supplies and athletic gear to a camp housing 300 children. He believes Indiana can especially help Ukrainian kids with a focus on education and recreation. Mental health, child care, how to find a job, just exactly what we went through helping Afghan um, evacuees. In a recent op-ed, Holcomb wrote he's offered to provide temporary or permanent housing to process Ukrainian refugees in Indiana. His response also includes new sanctions against Russia. That includes divesting $147 million in state government investments with ties to Russia. Do you know if there will be more sanctions coming from Indiana? Well, we've tried to cover all of our bases uh, in terms of you know government contracts, state contracts, and so We'll leave no stone unturned. Uh, we don't want to perpetuate um, Putin's war machine and or, or, or supply it with resources. Holcomb is also calling for the U.S. to consider Russia a state sponsor of terrorism, a status only given to four nations currently. He believes Vladimir Putin's escalation has reached a point of no return. Now that's up to the Russian people. And the longer he remains in power, uh, the more misery and pain I think the Russian people as well will feel. During his trip overseas, Governor Holcomb will also travel to Israel to discuss economic interests, including the electric vehicle field. He's set to return to Indiana on Saturday. During my interview earlier, the governor would only discuss his trip. I'm Kristen Escow reporting. At the State House, state police are investigating after a group of teens managed to break into the building and vandalize the House chamber. It happened last Sunday afternoon. Police say three girls and a boy somehow got inside and drew graffiti on electronics and columns. Troopers say they received a call about the group damaging the property, then chased them to the canal where they were detained. The teens were released to their families but could be charged. 
at a later time. Former Vice President and former Indiana Governor Mike Pence is laying out a platform for the Republican Party in the 2022 midterms. Pence's platform is called the Freedom Agenda. It contains some traditional conservative goals like increasing energy production, cutting taxes and rolling back regulations. The agenda also covers some issues that were addressed at the Indiana State House this year. That includes impose opposing critical race theory, removing restrictions on gun owners, and restricting transgender athletes from competing according to their gender identity. We're exactly a month away from Indiana's May primary. There's a crowded field of candidates running for Indiana's ninth congressional seat. Sitting Congressman Trey Hollingsworth has already announced he's not running for re-election. Our Dan Spieler has been speaking with several of the nine Republicans hoping to replace him. What's your message to voters in the ninth, which, which has at times been something of a swing district. It's certainly been more red here in recent years. Uh, what's your message to voters in the ninth who, who might be in, in more of those purple areas of the ninth district in terms of electing someone uh, to, to represent the entire district? You know, what I would say is um, one of the things that people have said about me during my time in the Senate is I do what I say I'm going to do. I don't go out there or go to Indy and do one thing and then come back and tell constituents another. So what you see is what you get. I have been known as a conservative fighter, but I want what's best for Hoosiers and I want what's best for, for the state of Indiana. I'll always fight for my district um, and that's the type of um, a member of Congress I'll be, but I, you know, the district itself is fairly conservative and they, they talk about what they want to see is get inflation under control so they have more to spend so the cost of groceries to gas doesn't cost them, uh, cost them you know, and hurt their family budgets. They want um, border security. They want energy independence. They really want, um, in the district, they do want an America First agenda and that's, that's what I'll be bringing to Congress. What do you make of the conversation in your party now about, um, about former President Trump? Obviously, the events of January 6th weighing heavily on the minds of a lot of people in Congress. You served in Congress. You saw the events of that day. Some Republicans think it's time to maybe move on, find a different candidate for 2024. Others still feel Donald Trump is, is the face of the Republican Party. What did you make of the events of that day, his handling of it, and his position within the party now? Well, you know, everybody wants to... Uh, revisit the past, if you will. And uh, I told somebody the other day, even God doesn't change the past. It's, it is what it is. You know, uh, I don't know if President Trump will run again. I know the country was better off uh, economically under President Trump. And we can't have a strong defense unless we have a strong economy. The strong economy is the key to everything. It's the key to trying to balance the budget. It's the key to the, the strong defense. It, it, unless you have that firm foundation under you, you can't get anything done <clears throat> from a governmental standpoint. You'd support him if he, if he is the party's nominee in 2024? If he was a nominee, I certainly would. Do you think the GOP moving forward to 2024 uh, should look to somebody like Donald Trump, former President Trump, as a candidate to run again or, or, or move toward a new, a new generation of candidates? I think the Republican Party needs to be accepting of multiple uh, points of view. We need to bring more people into our party. We're seeing that now because of the failed policies of Joe Biden's administration. I do think we need 
to get back to what the founders envisioned for our country, uh, which is that people leave their everyday lives, whatever career they have, a teacher, farmer, businessman, whatever it is they're doing with their lives, they leave, they go to Congress, they, they give something, they have something to offer, uh, and then they go back to their daily lives. Uh, I think that's an important system that the founders created, and we need to get back to that. I think that we have far too many career politicians who spend their lives in Washington, D.C., who don't understand what it's like to get a job in this economy, to raise a family in this, in this country, to get health care in this country, to uh, get a retirement system in this country. And so our politicians need to learn to live under the laws that they create. And so I believe in term limits. And it seems to be happening more and more. People like yourself from different backgrounds who have not served in politics before running for Congress. Why is that? Why are we seeing more of that now? Well, look, I think there's a number of skill sets we need to, we need to bring to the table to solve the complicated problems that we're seeing in our country. Uh, and I think that a military background brings a certain skill set. I think that a business background brings a certain skill set. Uh, and I think that is why we're seeing success of people entering um, entering politics with some other tools to bring to the table and fight for Hoosiers and get things done. I'm a deal maker. I've been a deal maker for over 40 years, bringing opposing parties together. Yes, we need to bring opposing parties together, but at the same time, we don't need to give up the principles that have made this country great. What about this race for Congress? Nine candidates yes. in this race, uh, in this primary. Right. Two of them former or current state lawmakers. One of them held this seat in Congress prior. Uh, what do you need to do between now and the primary in May to, to try to get your name out there, raise enough money to win a race like this against uh, candidates with more experience in public office? Candidates with more experience in public office are at a disadvantage. I'm at an advantage because I'm not a politician. Indiana Senator Todd Young says he will not support Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown Jackson. The senator met with Jackson in a one-on-one -on -one meeting. In a statement on Friday, Senator Young says he carefully interviewed the judge's record and he will vote no. He says he believes that she would, quote, legislate from the bench. Senator Mike Braun has not met with the judge yet. In a previous interview, he's promised to review Judge Jackson's record before the vote. He says he doesn't want a quote-unquote activist on the Supreme Court. The Senate Judiciary Committee will vote on Judge Jackson's nomination tomorrow. If they approve her, the full Senate could vote uh, soon. Judge Jackson would be confirmed with a simple majority vote. This week, the House of Representatives passed a bill that would decriminalize marijuana on the federal level and expunge the records of those prosecuted for pot. Despite a push by the Indiana Democratic Party this year, none of the proposals on medical or recreational marijuana received committee hearings at the State House this session. Republican leaders argue they want to wait to move forward with the marijuana legislation until it's legalized at the federal level. One lawmaker says she believes the change in Federal law would force Indiana to set statewide regulations. I do know that people are voting their feet. They're leaving Indiana. I know people who have moved to Michigan, uh, basically for medical reasons. So far, 37 states have legalized marijuana for medicinal purposes. 18 states allow recreational use. The federal proposal faces an uncertain future in the Senate. In order to pass the bill, it would require 10 Republicans to join all Democrats in support. The latest data from the Indiana Department of Health shows COVID-19 cases remaining. As of this week, the state is no longer reporting positive COVID cases. 
Health Department officials say they're focusing on more relevant data. We'll get weekly averages of cases and an indication whether cases are trending up or down. A reason for the change is at-home testing. State officials say people aren't reporting their positive test results if they take a rapid test at home. Also this week, Hoosiers can get a second booster shot of the COVID-19 vaccine if they want. And if they fall into certain demographics, anyone 50 and older can get a fourth shot of the Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. Anyone 12 and older can get the second booster if they have a weakened immune system. The CDC is also advising people who received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine at least four months ago to get a booster of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. Coming up next on this week's edition of In Focus is the former vice president's party agenda, a signal for 2024. We'll discuss with our panel. And the federal marijuana vote could resonate with Hoosier lawmakers. The ideas we could see here at home coming up on In Focus. Welcome back to In Focus. Let's bring in our panel now with us today on Zoom in Portonville's Adam Wren and Abdul Hakim Shabazz with IndiePolitics.org. And here in the studio with me, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy and former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner Chartier. All right, let's go ahead and start with the, uh, the governor's visit to Slovakia on this trade mission. He is also meeting with Ukrainian refugees. Jen, there's all sorts of different um, aspects to this trip, some of them humanitarian, some of them economic. Some of them you would think political as well, correct? I think so, but I'm going to take this at face value as a humanitarian effort. Um, the governor is over there spreading the goodwill of Indiana. I'm excited to see that he's uh, meeting with um, potentially electric vehicle makers and trying to get our clean energy economy going here. But I just think it's great that we could potentially open our borders to um, Ukrainian refugees and, and be a home for them. Well, Mike, I mean, these types of trips are very, very common. We've seen them over the years with many, many governors, senators, all sorts of Indiana politicians. Because of the timing of this one with the Ukrainian war and also the political climate as well, does this one have a little bit of a, 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 a different meaning in your mind? Well, I, I don't think so. I mean, there's certainly the, the added uh, interest because of Ukraine and its pr proximity to Slovakia. But we have had a relationship with a Slovakian army, frankly, for many years. We've trained their troops at Muscatatuck and at Atterbury. And so this goes on routinely with them, their troops visiting Indiana for training and us returning the, returning the favor. And so the governor has, you know, his trips are always very multifaceted, a little bit of economic development, a little bit of cultural good, goodwill. Um, and in this case, a little bit of uh, Indiana version of foreign policy as well. Worth noting that this trip is paid for with private money through economic development uh, sure. uh, money as well. How much uh, comes out of trips like this typically? Do you think that they, they bear fruit, Mike? Absolutely. I, I, I must say I've been on a few of them myself with when Joe Kernan was the governor. I went to uh, South Korea, uh, Japan, went with Becky Skillman to Mexico. So I've been on a few of these. First of all, they usually do not occur unless they have a success in their back pocket so they can announce something while they're there, whether it's signing an agreement or announcing a factory location. So they don't go there. It's not cold calling. There's too much money involved to make cold calls to Asia or to Eastern Europe. All right, Adam, let's bring you into our conversation right now. What is your take on the, uh, on the governor's trip overseas this week? 
Well, I think Governor Eric Holcomb during his time in office has really been someone who has exemplified the idea of kosher hospitality, whether it's welcoming refugees to, to Camp Atterbury last year from Afghanistan, or in his vocal comments about being first in line to accept uh, Ukrainian refugees uh, who are uh, fleeing uh, this conflict. And so I think, you know, for him, that's great. I think there's another Hoosier who's closely watching his meeting with uh, electric vehicle makers, and that's Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Well, Abdul, does this type of a trip actually uh, reflect well on the governor if he does decide to seek higher office? Uh, I think it does. I think it shows uh, so how multifaceted uh, the governor is that he can take care of issues at home and also address issues uh, from, a, from sort of a national uh, perspective as well. Like I said, I agree with Adam uh, wholeheartedly because about who's your hospitality. Said so last year was Afghan refugees. This time uh, it's Ukrainian, possibly Ukrainian refugees. Uh, so I think Indiana and the governor is a perfect ambassador uh, to show that Indiana is a welcoming place. Abdul, worth noting as well that the, uh, the governor announced he was divesting uh, more than $100 million in state money from Russian companies as part of the embargo with the invasion of Ukraine. I mean, how valuable is it for a, an Indiana governor to weigh in on that type of an international stage? Um, I think it's actually a good thing uh, at the end of the day because it shows Indiana uh, is taking steps to uh, you know, show do what it can uh, in a sort of a limited fashion uh, to deal with the Russian invasion of, U of Ukraine. All right. Also this week, former Vice President Mike Pence released his freedom agenda for the uh, 2022 midterms. He laid out some fairly traditional goals like tax cuts, deregulation, as well as timely issues like transgender athletics and critical race theory. I mean, Jennifer, your reaction to this platform, these are issues that uh, we've heard repeatedly from uh, from the former governor, from the former vice president. They are no surprises in that agenda. Uh, lots of, you know, the same old talking points, but it doesn't do anything. If I'm Mike Pence and I'm trying to separate myself from Donald Trump, who, you know, is probably running again in 2024, there's nothing in the freedom agenda that's going to do that or overshadow the fact that he served as his vice president. Mike, the fact that uh, the former governor is making these kinds of announcements, does it show that he is still trying to keep his name in play in national politics? Oh, I think he's definitely in the game. Um, and he's in the game until he decides he's not in the game, quite frankly, I'd still rank him as my favorite. Now, you talk about energy independence, you know, he's, what he's really doing is articulating a principle that's been with Indiana since the 1930s. Country Mark in southwestern Indiana was founded upon the principle of energy independence. And so the rest of the country, in my mind, is just catching up. All right, Adam, let's bring you into the conversation once again as well. Was there any surprises to you in this, uh, in this agenda that was laid out by Mike Pence? Yeah, you know, I would slightly disagree with Jennifer. I would say the biggest surprise is Mike Pence opposing red flag laws. Uh, just three short years ago in 2019, he praised uh, the Jake Laird law uh, here in Indiana, uh, a red flag law uh, as a national model for legislation nationwide to, to prevent mass shootings. And he is opposed to them in this, in this particular uh, agenda. So I, I do think that that shows that Pence is a careful, carefully attuned to the, the political winds of change in the, his own Republican Party. And I think that's an example of him shifting a little bit his policy beliefs as uh, ideological shifts happen in the GOP. Abdul, the, uh, the former vice president has become very unpopular with a large segment of uh, former President Trump's base for obvious reasons. Is this an outreach to, to some of that base in this, uh, in this plan that he's laid out? I think it is to a, to a, to a point. Uh, basically, it's like, look, you know, although the president and I necessarily agree on, you know, the January 6th situation, 
that you can still trust me to deliver on some of those basic conservative issues, whether, and like Jennifer said, whether it's critical race theory or uh, like Adam said, whether it is uh, opposing those red flag laws. One thing I did think was interesting though is that the vice president didn't really talk about uh, the January 6th and going back to the past, so looking forward uh, to the future and talk about you know, a national voter ID and election integrity. Uh, but that's about it. He, he's uh, he's sort of you know sort of pushed aside you know, all the Trump allegations and, and false allegations about voter fraud that did not take place in 2020. All right. Our thanks to our panel today. Coming up next, before he made it to Slovakia, the governor made a business stop in Israel. His goals at a dinner in Tel Aviv still ahead on In Focus. Ahead of the governor's trip to Slovakia, he made a trip in Israel. He and Indiana Secretary of Commerce Brad Chambers attended a dinner with representatives from Doral Energy. Doral broke ground on a large solar farm in northern Indiana last year. This dinner was an opportunity to discuss further, quote, opportunities of innovation. The governor made an unexpected trip to Israel last May. He met with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. That trip came in the middle of a conflict between Israel and Palestine. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Jennifer, we'll start with you. I have just one loser, and that's Senator Todd Young. Uh, I thought he would give a fair shake to Judge Jackson, and his reason for opposing her nomination to the Supreme Court was pretty flimsy, kind of uh, relied on how he thought someone was treated under Trump, and I was a little disappointed in that. But not necessarily a surprise. Mike, let's go to you. Well, the loser has to be the NCAA, which I know is not popular to say in this town, but they've made such a mess of the transfer portals and NIL, they're now begging Congress to save them from their own folly. And the winner, I think, would have to be the voters of Indiana who, beginning this week, can start early voting for the primary on May 3rd. It's a very, very good reminder. All right, Adam, let's head over to you, your winners and losers. Yeah, my winner for the week is Mike Pence. I think he's playing uh, chess while uh, President Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump is playing checkers when it comes to the 2024 nomination. And my losers are Representative Jim Banks and Representative Victoria Sparts, both of whom built sort of an allyship uh, with Madison Cawthorn, uh, who admitted to fabricating some salacious uh, details about his fellow members of, uh, of the GOP Congress this week. Abdul, just a few seconds left. Uh, just one big loser of the week. My loser is Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakin, who wasted taxpayers' time, energy, and effort over the past several weeks to try to keep me out of a news conference and ended up losing in court. Abdul, thank you, and thanks to all of our panelists, and thank you for joining us this week. Much more on our podcast. We'll see you again next Sunday on In Focus.